Before we get in the word this morning, let's just go to the Lord in a time of prayer. Father, we praise you that we can approach you without wrath aimed at us, but with favor through Jesus. And you call us to pray for a variety of of things in your word, and you say to pray for kings and all who are in high positions. So right now we intercede for the governmental leaders locally, statewide, nationally, and internationally, that they would lead with wisdom and righteousness. And if in our country, as we enter a very long political season, I just ask that we would not treat that time as an idol in our lives, that we wouldn't get inordinately consumed with politics, that we would not find ourselves thinking and talking about politics more than Jesus. And may we continue to see Jesus ruling and reigning as the one true king. So give us that perspective. Lord, we also know that you desire people around the world to know you through Jesus. Your word says you desire all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Continue to mobilize us locally and globally. I pray right now for boldness and endurance for those who have been sent out from us as missionaries around the world. Pray for Eric and Susan, Jay and Melissa, Ross and Mary, Jolene, Nick, Jeff, Danielle, Renee, Emily, Job and Bethany, Jonathan and Maggie, Christina, Stu and Barbara, Michelle, Jessica, Kayla, TJ, Dan and Lauren. Give them joy in you today. Give them boldness in the proclamation of your gospel and give them endurance in making disciples. And for those of us who are here, we just ask that you would empower us to not see our lives about selfish pursuits, selfish selfish ventures or selfish adventures, but to see ourselves as instruments in your hand to be used for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're new, a little heads up. We preach through books of the Bible. We just finished 1 Samuel a couple weeks ago. We're about to jump into the book of James next week. But right now, people are coming and going. People are checking us out, moving on, coming, staying, sticking. And so we've, we've paused to do something that we rarely do, and that is preach a topical series, which I will repent of later. But we're doing a topical series from time to time, and right now we're doing one on the church that we are calling Stained Glass. You can think of the stained glass in historic churches. Spiritually thinking, each of you is a piece of stained glass, which is not too impressive, left alone, but you put us all together. And the glory of the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ shines through us, and it's awesome. We've been in this series for three weeks. The first week we talked about the church universal, that if you go to church in Africa or in South America or in China, you will see similar traits or similar marks that you would find even here in Evanston of biblical faithfulness rooted in the gospel, biblical leadership, even church discipline along with mercy and evangelism. There's similar marks that we should find all over the world for the biblical church. 
Last week, we looked at the ethos of our local church, which is summed up in our five ethos statements that we are trying to live out in the power of the Holy Spirit here in Evanston. And for this third week of our series, we're going to look at you as an individual. What is it that we are encouraging you to consider as you are a part of a body of Christ and as you get sent out of here on a weekly basis to live in the world? There's a certain area that we want to encourage you to hone in as an EBFer, whether you're here for seven months, seven years, or 70 years. We want to show you your part in living as the church. And in order to do that, we're going to go to a very familiar passage in the book of Jeremiah. See if you can find the book of Jeremiah. It's somewhere in the middle of the Bible. Look for the table of contents. If you can't find it, look on to the person next to you. But we're in Jeremiah 29. I've preached this passage several times before, and I like to return to it often, as it describes us who we are as a church and gives us focus. The summary of the passage is captured in one of our ethos statements that I'll put up for you right now. It's called Invested Sojourners. You see this image of people coming from all around the world, as if the four corners of the earth to the middle here in Evanston, they invest before they go back out. We're going to see a lot of that this morning. So let's go ahead and stand right now as I read Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 4 through 7. Listen to God's word. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. You may be seated. I'm going to set this text up. It's a story I've heard and told before. I read about it in the past about a woman in Arizona who was trying to sell her home. And like many homeowners over the last several years... It sat on the market for a long time unsold. And during that time, she described her life as being in a state of limbo, where she couldn't move on to the next stage of life. She didn't want to join a gym because she's about to move. She didn't want to make new friends because she's about to move. And she started disconnected from her older friends because she saw in her mind the moving van being loaded and heading out of town. But her house sat on the market for a year as her life was in limbo. But finally, somebody bought it, it sold, she packed off, and she took off. But she was disappointed in herself. She wasn't as happy as she thought she would be. She was really disappointed that she put her life on hold for a full year waiting to move on. Chances are, I think there are people in here who would describe their lives as one of a state of limbo. The Evanston area is not your final destination, but you are moving on. 
You are here as a means to an end of your next phase in life. And if I was a betting man, which I'm not, my guess is that many of you would love to skip this phase. If you could just move on to where you want to finally end up, you would love to skip this phase of your life. And even those of you who actually own property here and more permanent residents, I bet there's probably in your mind some type of future transition that puts your life right now in limbo. And when you're living in a state of limbo, you're just waiting for the next move or the next phase, and you fail to be all here in your current situation. A little revelation for you. I don't know if you thought about this, but this is where God has you. You're right here, right now, like it or not. And he has called you here in his sovereignty, in his providence, in his plans, and he's put you here for a reason. So now here's my encouragement to you today to sum up a famous quote. Wherever you are, be all there. Wherever you are, be all there. And God had a similar call to the Israelites of Jeremiah's time. Around the 6th century B.C., they were exiled in Babylon, and that's not their land. God actually deported them in chains because of their sin. And they were going to be in Babylon for about 70 years. And contained in our verses this morning is a portion of a letter that was written by the prophet Jeremiah to the exiles in Babylon. And it's really simple what he tells them. He tells them to settle, grow, and invest. And for those of you who are visual learners, I have created hand motions for this. Settle. Grow. Invest. Now, we were doing this last night with our children in family worship, and they were doing the settle, grow, and invest. And I said, guys, wouldn't it be neat if I had the whole church do that tomorrow? And they said, and they said, no. So (laughs) mentally, you can do it in your head, settle, grow, invest, all right? Let's move on to settle. You were nervous there for a second, weren't you? You thought you were going to have to do it. Nope. All right, settle. Jeremiah 29, starting in verse 4. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Oh, that has got to be some of the most simplest commands in the whole Bible. Settle down, build some houses, plant gardens, eat. That's great commands. But get this, this is very difficult because this is actually a command that is a counter-prophecy to what the Israelites were hearing from the false prophets of the day. The false prophets of the day were saying, you're not going to be here very long, so don't settle down. In fact, one of the false prophets, Hananiah, was telling the Israelites that within two years, The Babylonian power would be broken and they would return to their land. But that's not true. The Lord brought them there to punish them. And they were not going to be there for two years, but for 70 years. 
they must not prepare for a short-term stay, but settle down for a long-term investment. They were to build houses, live in them, plant gardens, and eat their produce. The Israelites were to set up their life as sojourners. Are you familiar with that terminology, sojourners? Sojourners are residents with their country and home of origin elsewhere. Many of you are sojourners in the Evanston area as you're passing through on your way to some other place in your life. I know you're a sojourner, as I told you last week, because you call me on your cell phone and your area code is not from here. You're living here, but you're calling me from some Florida area code, New York or California, and you have no intention of changing that because this is not your permanent home. You are sojourning through. You're here for a season for school, maybe because you took a job in the big city for a while, but you are moving on to your more desired location. But there are some of you that are here for good. At least in your mind, you're here for good. You plan to stick around. Maybe you own some property. You're not planning on moving on. You're like, I actually like living here. But whether or not you plan to move on, if you are a Christian, the Bible calls you a sojourner. The Bible describes believers as sojourners with their citizenship in heaven. Let me share a passage with you from Philippians chapter 3. Philippians 3 verse 20 says, But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our true citizenship is in heaven. 1 Peter 2, verses 1 and 11 calls us strangers, pilgrims in the world, sojourners and exiles. This world is not our home. We are sojourners looking toward our home. And this is where I need to stop and explain. So I want to make sure everybody's paying attention because this this may be some new concept to some of you. Here's the deal. I'm going to lay it out for you just straight from the Bible, all right? The world is under the domain of the evil one. And before you were a believer, you once lived under his domain, dead in your sins. You were in the kingdom of darkness. You were separated from a holy God. And I'm just going to tell you like it is. You were a target of God's wrath. No joke. The Bible clearly presents that. And you cannot untarget yourself by being a good person. You cannot get into heaven or or in his good graces by being a good person. The only way to fix your sin problem, the only way to fix your wrath problem, was to have God intervene by sending his son, Jesus Christ, down to this earth, kept the commands perfectly, which you cannot keep, placed upon the cross in your place, Wrath of God is poured out on him instead of you. He is buried. Three days later, he rises from the dead, proving that he just conquered Satan and sin and death. And the call is anybody who repents of their sin, puts their faith in Jesus, can be reconciled to a holy God. Now, here's what's really cool. Once you put your faith in Christ, he is Lord, you're transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. It's as if your citizenship has been transferred as well from being under his domain of condemnation, his domain of guilt and shame, his domain of just pure evil, and now you're in light citizenship with the Lord where you're accepted, there's grace, there's mercy. So your citizenship has been transferred. But check this out. 
You're still here. You're still here. I still see you on this earth. So how do you describe that? If our citizenship is heaven, what am I doing here? Well, this is, this is what we like to call living in between two worlds. Your citizenship, yes, is in heaven. But yes, you are physically still here. You're living in between two worlds. That's why you are a sojourner. Every single one of you. Your home is with the Lord. That's your ultimate home. So that means no matter where you're at, no matter where you're living, while you're here, you are to be an invested sojourner. My brothers and sisters, the reason why I find this is so important is that, telling you, is that God has brought you here to invest. And what I'm afraid of is that some of you, okay, all of us, are guilty from time to time of something called idolatry of the next. Idolatry of the next. We, we make an idol out of our next move. We make an idol out of our next phase of life. Like the Israelites were thinking, if we could just get beat back home, we'd be better. Single, single people do this. They think as if life is, is so miserable and it'd be so much better if they could just get married. And married people think, you're crazy. And people who are married and they, they want to have kids and they, they think it'd be so much better if I could just have kids or if, you, if I could be better if I have a job and I'm sick of working, it'd be better if I could retire. And some people are thinking, if I could just move, I'd be better. You, you know what the problem with this idolatry of the next? Here, here is the problem. If you're thinking that once you move, you're going to be happier than you are now, the big problem is that wherever you move to, you take yourself with you. I just wish I could move and leave myself behind, but no, you go too. And so if you're unhappy here, you're probably going to be unhappy here. You've got to be careful of the idolatry of the next. The next ultimate move that's going to give you the greatest joy ever is when you die and you're with Jesus forever. But until then, you're called to settle down, settle down where you're at, settle down. This is where God has you. He has you here for a season, for a reason. Settle. But you're not just supposed to settle. You're also supposed to grow. Same with the exiles. Look at verse 6. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. Once again, their mentality may have been, we're going to put everything on hold until we get back to our land. Then we can get married back in Israel. Then we can have kids back in Israel. So we're going to put no marriage, no kids, until we're out of this mess and back in the land. But did you catch that last point? Multiply there and do not decrease. God viewed their time as sojourners as a time to grow. And don't just think, well, they're supposed to get married and have kids. That sounds good. That's not what it's just talking about. It's also talking about their spiritual growth. Why are they there in the first place? Because they're being punished because of their sins. So they were also to grow spiritually that somehow in their sojourn, they would repent and grow closer and start to seek the Lord. And I can prove to you that's the point because I want you to look at verse 10. If you have your Bibles open, look at verse 10. This is what's supposed to happen over the 70 years. For thus says the Lord... When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit 
you. And I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. And here's the famous verse here. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for wholeness and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I'll be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. God has brought them into exile, not just to multiply them so they're growing physically, but also to discipline them and to bring them to growing spiritually, where they'll actually seek him instead of idols. They'll worship him instead of false gods. Their sojourning was supposed to be a time of growing. My brothers and sisters, I'm wondering if some of you are viewing this stage in your life as a spiritually neutral phase. Like once you move on to your next phase, then you'll be totally devoted to the Lord. And if you're single and if you're thinking that you're going to grow once you move into your next phase of marriage, then you're mistaken because I'm going to tell you, single people who are not seeking the Lord do not automatically turn into married people who are seeking the Lord. And if you are married and you have kids and you're waiting for them to get past certain phases before you start to grow in the Lord. I mean, my wife and I, we've had, by the time our kid, last one, Lord willing, who knows, goes to, <laughs> goes to kindergarten, I'm going to be like 80, but by the time it goes to kindergarten, that'd be 17 years of not having all the kids in school. And so some of you may be thinking, okay, once I get my kids in school, once I go to high school, but once the kids get out of school, revival's going to break out. <laughs> then I'm going to start growing. And man, don't do that. You need to know that the phase you're in right now is where God wants you to grow. The next phase, the next move, does not switch it on. And I, and I really want to press you here that God has ordained this stage for your growth. I, I, I'm going to press you here. This is a time for you to grow in a relationship with him, grow in his word, grow in prayer. And if you have felt like that you've kind of stagnated, you're kind of, kind of cold, you've not been in the word, you've not been in prayer, this is a great time to get going again. Starting next week, we're doing this thing called Hidden Within. If you've never been into scripture memory or you've not been very good at it, this is like a hand-holding activity for 40 days where you would have memorized over 10 verses. Each day has a devotional rooting you in the word and the gospel. It's a time of growth. Use this as a time to grow. We're, we are, we're doing everything we can to help you grow spiritually. But let me also encourage you, this is the hard part. That's easy. Doing the 40-day devotional, that, that's easy. But here's the hard part. I want to challenge you to grow in holiness, to grow in your character, to not wait for the next season, to not realize that you have an idol or an addiction. You think that it's going to be gone in the next phase. Some of you have sexual purity issues. And you think, well, you know, I'll just deal with those down the road. I'll just deal with those another time. No, you need to deal with those now. If you're sexually immoral now, what's, what's going to change? 
if you have purity issues now, what's going to change? And I even, I even know, you know there's some married people in here that are having struggles in your marriage, and you're thinking, well, you know, we'll deal with our marriage problems later. We, 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 we just don't get along. We have issues. We can deal with those later. Let me tell you what's wrong with that thinking, okay? For those of you who don't want to deal with your purity issues, marriage issues, this is the problem. You say, we'll deal with that in six months. Six months turns into a year, turns into two, to three, to four, to five, to six. And, and what happens during that time? You get more ingrained. You get more rooted in your sin. Six years later, it's going to be a lot more difficult to deal with than it would have been six years ago. You're in this season right now to grow. And I know you're busy. Doctoral students, I know you're busy. Kellogg students, I know you have no life. Seminary students, those that are new moms and new dads, life is busy. I understand that. But this is a time to grow, grow in his word, grow in character, grow in holiness. It's not going to get less busy. Now's the time to grow, settle, grow, but also invest. Let's finish up with invest. Verse 7, look at verse 7. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. Now here is the idea of invested sojourner. Did you see it? The Israelites were to seek the peace, prosperity, and welfare of Babylon. Look, and they were to pray for them and their welfare. But did you catch that last part? For in its welfare you will find your welfare. This is a profound statement that God is making a connection between the investment in a pagan city with a positive return in their own lives. I mean, can you even think like that? That your welfare and your peace will grow as you invest in others. So rather than hating the Babylonians, they were to set out to bless them and to pray for them, and in turn, they were going to be caught up in a blessing. And many scholars think that they were such a blessing that 70 years later that provided a road, an inroad, so that they could actually leave. And can you imagine a church investing in the city and the city thinking of the church positively? The way they say we bless others, where our lives are not an obstacle and the only obstacle left is the gospel of Jesus Christ? What if you went to your job or to your school with this investment mentality and then you invested in such a way that you get caught up in the prosperity and the blessing of your job or your school? There's this guy named James Davidson Hunter. He wrote this book, To Change the World. And this is so cool. I'm, I want to make sure you get this. He says we should do our jobs with something called affirmation and antithesis where we are affirming what is good as a result of God's common grace, while at the same time understanding that this falling nature of humans and the need to graciously correct the wrong and offer positive alternatives. Affirmation and antithesis. Let's say you work in an architectural firm that is very creative. Maybe you can encourage people in their creativity. That's that affirmation. But you notice that people in your firm are working way too many hours to get ahead 
and the same is expected of you. And you graciously tell them that the cranking out of the hours is hindering creativity and the final product would be better if they had more energy. They take your advice, the hours are reduced, productivity and creativity picks up, and you are caught up in that blessing. I know that's simplified, but think about your work and your school with this affirmation and antithesis that you are this invested sojourner. You're not just doing your job. You're trying to do it in a way that glorifies God as an invested sojourner. You're investing as an employee, as a neighbor, as a student, and at church. And don't you have to admit, some of the most rewarding times in your life are when you invested in other people. Just think back. Some, your past times in investing in others are some of the most rewarding times in your life. So I want to put a challenge of investment here. Our church used to use some lingo back in the day where we would call the people who stayed here for a long time, we would call them longshoremen. And those who were passing through here here for months or a few years, we would call them sailors. And the idea is the longshoremen would invest in the sailors. And there was actually a picture of all the longshoremen. There was a little hand-drawn picture of longshoremen like on a big ship waving goodbye to the sailors as they took off on their little boats. And so that's the idea. So I want to continue with that lingo here this morning uh, and then challenge the longshoremen and then challenge the sailors on investing. For the longshoremen, I want you to think about this. You are in a very unique setting where you get to invest in the next generation. For example, as a pastor, pastors tend to view their careers of ministry where they kind of do their pastoral thing in their 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s. But when they hit 60 and they near retirement, they say stuff like, well, now after I've gained all this knowledge, I want to invest in the next generation, something like that. But what's really cool about our church is that we don't have to wait. The next generation is here. And it's an opportunity for us, uh, for those of us who are older, who are sticking around to invest in the next generation. And I know for some of you who have been here for many years and, you're, and, and you see specifically students come and go, you get close with them and you think, oh, my heart, I just can't handle this anymore. I, I, don't, I just can't do this. People are just turning over too much. Let me give you this thought. If you have kids, one day your kids will go to college. And if the kids are walking with the Lord, they're going to show up at a church. And when they walk into that church... Do you want someone older from that church to invest in them? The answer better be yes. Well, guess what? Your kids are here. They've just walked in. There are plenty of opportunities for those of us who are here for the long term to invest in the next generation. But now I want to address the sailors among us, those who are here for seven months, two years, three years, four years. Now's the time not just to come in and get your degree, get your grad degree, or get some job before you move on to your next phase of life. Now's the time to invest. My wife went to college at the University of North Texas, and she invested in the lives of high school girls while she was there. God used her in many ways to disciple them. Uh, she was part of one girl's life coming to the Lord, and another girl, she got to counsel away from having an abortion, and, but rather pursue adoption. My wife didn't show up and say, you know, I'm just kind of here to get my degree and to move on. She was there 
and she invested. And for those of you who are sailors, you're just here for a while, it's your time to invest. And it is a great opportunity just to think of different ways to do that. In fact, we have partnered with an organization in Evanston called Project SOAR, where college students are matched with junior high, elementary kids, sometimes high school students in Evanston who are in vulnerable situations where you can come together with them and mentor them. And I've specifically asked the woman who leads this organization to be here this morning, and she graciously has come and she has set up in the lobby, and we've had EBF students do this over the years, where they jump in, they mentor, and they invest students in vulnerable situations in our community. So I want to encourage you, after the service, that's one opportunity where you can invest while you're here. We are just not here to get all we can get before we move on to the next phase of life. We are called to be invested sojourners where we settle and we grow and we invest. I like to talk to other pastors uh, over the years, and I've had conversations about our church. And uh, pastors are kind of, they, they kind of shake their head when I talk about their church, our, our church, and they don't understand how our church can function with such massive turnover over the years. They don't understand how we can actually continue to exist and function as we do. And I, and I think the reason is, is that we have carried this mentality with us from the beginning. We have historically cultivated an ethos and a culture where we're not just passing through and we're not just sojourners, but we're invested sojourners. And I want to encourage you that you cannot be an invested sojourner that's on your own. You have to be in community. You have to be with other believers. You have to be where people can encourage you and build you up in your faith. And that's why I want to encourage you to check out, jump in one of our ethos communities where you can have older people building into you. And if you're older, you can have younger people building into you. My group last year, one of the co-leaders was a college student. And I learned greatly and am encouraged greatly by college students. And as I said last week to you college students, one of the things we can offer you that the campus cannot offer you in the parachurch ministries is we can offer you old people. And you need old people in your life, whether you like it or not, speaking truth into your life and encourage you. It goes both ways. God has you here for a reason and maybe just for a season. But while you're here, be all here. Settle. Grow. Invest. Let's pray. Lord, I I pray for my brother or sister who has a restless heart this morning who may even be so discouraged that they are still in the same spot they've been in for a long time and they're just ready to get going. They're ready for life to pick up. I just ask that you would show them that you really have ordained in your providence their life right now for a reason, maybe for just a season where you want them to grow. Maybe you put the brakes on and some other people in here in their lives because you want them to deal with some sin in their lives. So maybe you've, you've kind of taken them to Babylon for a while. They're in a difficult time, maybe because of their sin. And they need to address it. They need to repent. They need to find forgiveness in Jesus. 
But Lord, most of us here are always just looking out for ourselves. We're here to get what we need to get and move on. I just ask you would show us what it means to actually invest. Not to just live for ourselves or live for just our family. What does it mean to branch out and invest? Father, I just ask that you would stir us up as a people to consider your word and the conviction of your spirit to actually settle, to actually grow and invest all for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.